welcome to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. This is your host, Scott Ramage. And on this episode, Tyler Sullivan is joining us. Tyler lives in Wisconsin, right outside of Milwaukee. He is a business owner, an entrepreneur, a father of two. He's been married for 15 years and the dude just bought a hobby farm. How's it going, Tyler? Doing awesome, man. Thank you. Uh, I love, uh, you know, um, just so the listeners know, I've, I've recorded a different podcast with Tyler and it was, I'm, I'm fascinated with this whole uh, uh, hobby farm thing. So we'll definitely get into that. But first of all, why don't you go ahead and just kind of tell the listeners about a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, why you do it. Awesome. Well, thanks again for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I've been, uh, I'm a husband and father of two, uh, business owner here in Milwaukee. I own a CrossFit affiliate, have done that for the last decade. And um, I, I really enjoy what I do. Um, and I, everything I do is for the family that I support. Um, and uh, I, I, I do that because I really am very passionate about helping other people uh, improve and optimize their lives uh, in their health and their fitness. Uh, and then to be just better dads, you know, to be better husbands, to be better um, mothers and you name it. And uh, so it's really a passion for me. And I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to have that opportunity to provide that service. Yeah, that's, it's cool. I love the, the overall vision or mission of like, I'm doing this to be, to cre- help create better dads, better fathers, better husbands, better wives in your case. That's really what we, what we kind of focus around when we're talking about um, brotherhood of fatherhood is, is creating better men, Absolutely. better husbands, better fathers, better, better community leaders. And um, I love talking to community leaders and I kind of consider you one. Um, I do know that you uh, operate a very large affiliate. Like when we, when we talk about the CrossFit gym business, um, I would say most operate between 70 and 130 members. And, um, you pretty much quadruple that. (laughs) So, uh, it's, it's very unique, but, but more importantly, what drew me to, to really reaching out to you is, um, I know you from another business, but was, kind of watching you over the last two years, I've noticed that family is very, very important. And, um, and, and it's, it's just evident. And, and I know I'm watching through a filter of uh, social media, but why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your family and, and where your passions lie inside of that? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, it's a, it's, it's one of those things that I really have uh, over the years, I think developed sort of a, discernment of, of where I'm putting my time and attention and effort. Um, and it's evolved, you know, in the beginning, it was sort of the business. And as uh, the business has become very well ran and it's successful, um, it's really given me more of a, of a true reasoning again to continue to do what I do. And that is for my wife and my kids. Um, and, and just making sure that everything is, is uh, set up on that end. But um, you know, my, my wife, I met her when I was in high school. She was a, I was a sophomore, end of sophomore year. <laughs> and uh, she was a senior on her way out, basically. And, uh, you know, we just kind of hit it off. It was just one of those things that we were both very common, a lot of common interests and common things. And we were both kind of uh, young, obviously, in that regard, but like just more of a, just an open kind of opportunity for us. And it was just a, it was a really good match in the beginning. Um, college obviously threw a little wrench in the pile or, uh, in the, you know, in that journey. But I would honestly say that, uh, if 
I could do it over again, I wouldn't change it. Um, you know, the, the struggles of just being in a long distance relationship right off the bat after a few months of being in that, you know, honeymoon stage, so to speak, it, uh, it was very challenging, but it also proved to be a, I feel one of those opportunities that just made us stronger today. Um, you know, so as, as we push forward, you know, we've been able to battle a lot of things, ups and downs with starting a business, having kids, switching careers, her being, becoming a homeschool uh, mother and, uh, you know, someone who's not working anymore. And then also, you know, just the, the business, it's just very tumultuous waters as it is. Um, so it's been awesome. It's been hard. It's been scary. It's been out all the feels. So, uh, but my kids, awesome. They've literally revolutionized my life. My son born in 2010, uh, it was right before, uh, right when we moved here to Milwaukee, actually from Ohio. And I ended up uh, having my son and uh, it was a period, you know, where, you know, my wife decided she did want to stay home with the kids and it was a opportunity for her to really do what she wanted. And, um, you know, for me, that was my sort of calling and, and kind of opportunity to step up to the plate as a man and to be able to provide. So not only did uh, my son just formulate the way I think about how to be, be a dad, what I need to do and how to make sure my wife has a, has a life that she wants. Um, it's, it's, it's created a pathway for us to, to really focus on the things we need to do in our lives to be able to create a life for our children together. And, uh, and, and in doing that, we, uh, you know, now we have these things that are, that are at our table. Uh, you, you struck a few chords. Um, I just got home from recording, doing a recording. We, my wife and I do a marriage, a marriage class, which we lead a marriage class and we lead it every year. And it's, it's very, very intense. Um, and, and typically we're helping couples really through some very tumultuous times. And so we were recording our, our marriage story and, um, our story is, is, is sounds pretty familiar, familiar to yours. When my very first business, I, I wrapped it in the cloak of providing for my family mm-hmm. and, um, and ended up, that was my entire life was work was, you know, 4am to 7, 8pm every day. Um, weekends out with customer base. It was a bike shop. So I was out riding with my customers and my friends and um, that caused some real problems. Did you go through a, a, a time when you were trying to balance the work and family uh, role or that you did it wrong? Did you do it wrong? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, to this day, I still probably do it wrong. I'm, it's always a work in progress for me. I'm i uh, I'm a very driven person when I set myself, uh, myself out to do something, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And, um, uh, sometimes that balance becomes obviously out of balance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there has definitely been moments of, of, of that balance in there. And that's ultimately something we're still working on to this day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how have you approached that? Like what, what have, what have been some of the steps you, or the things that you've done to kind of make sure you're staying in balance? Yeah, very good question. Part of it's really taking my wife and I's schedules and being intentional about where we're spending our time. One of the key things that we've done for my wife and I have, is just consistent date nights. Every, uh, every Wednesday night, we will go out, we get a babysitter. It doesn't matter what we're doing. We're just getting a babysitter. It's 
on the schedule, it's going to happen. And uh, it gives us that time that we very much need to be able to spend just no business time with each other, no like dealing with the kids, no running around doing errands, schedules, all the busy stuff, right? So it just gives us that space to be able to talk, have fun, vent, whatever it is. And then, uh, and then every Sunday, we sort of have what we call, I don't even know how you say it, but like sort of a, a state of the, we call it state of the union. And uh, it's sort of our way of, all right, what's on our schedule for this week? What's, what happened last week that we need to improve upon? What do we need to do better as a couple? How, and how are we doing uh, in that? So we're setting up not just subjective measurements, but like some actual objective things. And then of course, ensuring that we eliminate as much confusion and confusion, excuse me, and uh, potential for conflict, right? When it comes down to schedules and just, you know, being on the same page. So your wife is a, uh, she's homeschooling the kids. I think I picked that up. And um, so did she start out with a career? Was she pretty career focused? She was, yeah, she had a career. She's, uh, she was in marketing um, and and all that. And she was in communication and journalism at the t- uh, before that. Wow. So, yeah. How was that transition? It, challenging for sure. For her, <laughs> it was, it was a no brainer. <laughs> you know, she was very happy. Obviously it brought a set of new challenges as that she made that commitment, but it was, uh, it was something she's always wanted to do. And it really, that's something she's kind of always wanted to be is that mom that stayed at home and provided in that regard. Yeah. 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 So has there been any like moments when you're working, you're, you're focusing, you know, before we started recording, you said you have a new thing you're doing. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat and I find that that balance is, it is literally impossible. It's, it is impossible to balance, especially when you're really driving to grow something and you're really working in on that. And then you still have to maintain all of the other responsibilities, including the main line of income coming in, making sure that those are, in my, in my opinion, those, those are, have to be done at the same quality, same level. They've always been done. Can't, cannot be decreased, but we're adding more. Um, have there been aha moments when you've like stopped and you're like, whoa, I'm way out of line? Yes, I'm not, I wouldn't. I think it's fair to say that um, there's no op- there's no way that I could purpose per- perfectly balance all this. Right. I don't think anybody can. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there has been moments where I'm just like I'm going all in too much on this thing, and and deep down inside me, I have that sense of something's not right. Right. Like it's just it feels wrong, and I just I just know something, and I can. It's probably just the way the 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 communication that's happening between my wife and my kids that starts to dwindle or it starts to get a little bit more, um, a little, you know, it's a little more, uh, ornery with their attitude and, you know, just things start to change. You just feel it, you see it and it just, it's something's off. So yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're noticing a, a, a misbalance or something is unbalanced. Um, I can, I can definitely relate to that. Mm-hmm. What, um, what do you do? You talked, you talked about two things that I think are, and I've said repeatedly are extremely important in a marriage. And the biggest word that you said is intentionality. I mean, that's really the pivot. That's, that's what everybody, everything really balances on is that intentionality, but you, you do date nights and then you have a uh, state of the union. If if you will, I love that. I think weekly is 
incredible. If you guys can do that weekly, that's incredible, especially in, including the date night. I think that's going to really help um, create some real balance. How do you, what are, what kind of things do you do intentionally to maintain um, a focus and a intentionality again around your kids? Very good question. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it comes back to, you know, how I'm spending my time and I'm obviously prioritizing my time. I, I often do the things that I feel that are very important in my life in terms of like, you know, my career and my, my, my chosen profession on um, the times that where my kids are just either phys- are sleeping, right. So that are, are, are either very busy. So I really schedule my time and my efforts to creating more opportunities or creating new ventures or even maintaining my existing ventures on a schedule that is in line with what my kids are doing. Either, you know, them not needing me, obviously when they're sleeping, right? Or when they're doing school or when they're traveling or going somewhere. And uh, those are the moments where I'm able to create some space for these sort of activities that I would like to continue to pursue, all the while ensuring that I'm not messing up my kids. And, um, and, and really giving focus to them as I get done with those specific projects. But um, I, you know, purposely do like this morning um, and every week I try to, we go out for breakfast and we, we just us three and we just have fun. We talk, we just create an open dialogue. Um, I try to individually get with each child every week too, separately for an hour for sure as, as a dad. And, um, you know, of course, special moments together where we're all just as a family creating some, some, uh, you know, intentionality around what we do. Yeah. Yeah. We, I was, I was joking with someone last week because, um, I'm really into capturing ideas as they come into my head, capturing to do's all these things can, can really bog our brain down. And I happen to use my phone (laughs) to capture everything. And the millisecond it comes in, I I capture it and, and Mm -hmm. it can bring that phone into a really bad timing really bad timing. And, um, and I've trained my family to tell me, are you capturing something or, you know, like, and, and it's a really good uh, way to keep accountability with my family, let them know that they are more important. Um, do you have a, uh, like a technology, uh, do you have a technology problem around your kids? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no question. Technology invades my, my, my space. And, uh, my, my thoughts and just my emotional energy for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so have you, have have you had any conversations around that with your, your wife or your kids? And then, um, what kind of technology do they currently use your kids? Yeah, I, uh, I do. I've had that conversation several times. Um, one of the big things is coming home and then just not, not, not like having a space for my phone where I physically can put my phone away. And uh, it can be just in a corner and I don't have to see it. Mm-hmm. I try to take off my Apple watch as well. So I'm not getting dinged on there. Uh, and, you know, just the whole thing with that. So we've tried to create some limitations. Obviously we fail, you know, but we do do our best and yeah. it works pretty, pretty well. Uh, but in regards to my kids having just some intentionality or just focus around technology, we do limit their screen times every, uh, every day. They're not allowed on any sort of technology uh, or screens unless it's related to school. Mm. We do give them one hour every night for fun games, whatever it may be. Uh, and you know, we also create a focus around the day that 
it's the first thing they lose, which is what they love the most, right? They love their technology if they end up disrespecting or end up having um, some behavior issues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it's very, it's a very interesting path that we have to choose when working with kids and technology because it is so ingrained in almost every facet of our lives that there's it. It, it can be the lines can be blurred really, really easily. It sounds like you guys have made them pretty clear, clearly defined. How old are your kids right now? Uh, my daughter's eight. My son is 10. Okay. All right. So is, this is pre real um, uh, social use of technology at this point. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, we're, we're, we're very aware of what's to come. Um, we're, we're trying to create a boundaries for, the future, you know, for when it comes. Yeah. Boundaries are really important. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's where we're missing a lot as a society is setting those boundaries. Um, yeah. I, I want to kind of get back to marriage. You, you, sp- you spoke early and you spoke, I would say passionately about marriage. Um, do you have, like when you, when you think through your order of importance of things, is there an order of importance that you put on your marriage, your, and being a dad and a, business owner and how do, how do you weigh that? If you were to weigh those things in your life, I always tell everybody, for me, it's my faith, then my wife, then my kids, and then everything else kind of falls underneath. And if I'm out of balance, I, I really know it. Um, I can really tell. So how do you operate in that, in that capacity? As I kind of mentioned earlier, I sort of know, and I feel when things are sort of out of a balance, out of alignment, you know, and obviously I'm, I'm always a work in progress. I feel in regards to that there's seasons of my life in which I'm working. It's sort of like teeter totters on all of these little things in my life, right? I have my marriage teeter totter. Sometimes I'm more involved in investing into that. Then I got my career, you know, you got your, you got your family. Those are obviously big things and making sure that those things stay in balance as much as possible. You know, this time of year, especially, and along with sort of a new pursuit that I'm looking to take on with, with a new venture, excuse me. Um, I'm, uh, I'm really trying to do as much balancing as possible. It's a balancing act as it is, but um, currently it sits where, you know, I have these focuses on my career that are really trying to pull me in a, in a different direction. But then because of that, as we mentioned, it's just sort of it, it, the other things go down, right? The, right. the attention span where you're in, where your brain is, really involved and you want to make sure that you're trying to stay as in alignment as much as you can. Um, but I have a very similar order to you. You know, I try to have my faith and everything else guide me to where I want to be, who I want to become, and also just the greater purpose for what my life is and what my job is as that leader, uh, in my family. But, um, I feel if that's in, in check, then everything sort of trickles down. And I start to feel more in alignment. I start to engage my family, really put purposeful thoughts and intention with my time behind the other things. So when I reframe it inside that reference, I tend to realign myself. And, and that's a challenge. Of course. Yeah, it is a challenge. And um, I mean, I think those of us that have thought about it enough, there is that, that kind of that always, we, we kind of have that North star and we kind of feel when we're off, we're off track. Yeah. This is like, or like, or like, Ooh, I'm being pulled back to really focusing where I need to focus or I feel out of alignment. So, um, I talk a lot about morning routine and 
daily practices and things to keep myself tuned. But one thing a lot of men um, talk a lot about is, well, I just need my me time. And I mean, I, per I personally have a very strong opinion about that. Um, but what, what are some of your daily routines or things that you do very intentionally to ensure that you yourself stay in balance? I mean, one, you're, you're, you're kind of a, a guide point for many, many, many people because you own a gym and they're mm -hmm. probably looking at, you know, the health perspective, but give me, give me an idea of your daily practices that are, are kind of set in stone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. I do have some, I'm, I'm not super rigid on morning routine. Um, I, I do the one thing that everything it, it just falls into alignment and that does set up my day for success. And that's just really creating time blocks mm -hmm. each night. So before I go to bed every night, I try to um, have, at, well, prior to bed, of course, but have my entire day for tomorrow set up. So there's no like little fires that I have to deal with. So that way I'm already, I have my workout planned. You know, I have my uh, meeting times, I have my clients, and then I have literally a entire block of time where it's family and my wife. And that to me, like every single day, if I don't have that, I feel very out of balance and also just out of alignment. Yeah. With what I'm going to do tomorrow. Yeah. I think a lot of people um, see that it can only be a morning. Like they, you know, like I say, I'm very, I have a very, very structured morning routine, but that's literally because I found that that's the best way to align myself to make sure that I'm successful for the day. It includes working out. It includes reviewing what's coming up in the day. It includes my Bible study or personal devotion. It includes my time with my wife, very focused. Um, but I think a lot of people hear morning routine and immediately go to, you know, good for you. I don't need that, but it's not really the morning routine. Yeah, it, that's true. It's what you just said. It's being intentional about the day coming up. You're, you're preparing probably, you're probably doing a lot of what I do. You're doing it the evening before. Right. And, um, so I think it's more not morning routine. It's intentional planning of what's happening and making sure that the important things happen. What are non-negotiables? Is there a non, any non-negotiable that you have for every single day? Not, not. So, um, I mean, there's like a day goes by and if you miss it, you are way out of alignment. That's a good question. I really, you know, I, I've never had it where it's sort of, I mean, a non-negotiable obviously is, is something that is going to be super, super important for the moment. I try to be as fluid as possible. I don't necessarily think I have a pure non-negotiable. If I can, if my day ends up being coming sort of out of whack as a result of some fires or whatever else, what have you, um, I, I can adapt pretty quickly. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, if I'm, if I'm at my house, I try to do the best I can with just not having to deal with any work. Yeah. And if I'm at my house, my goal is to prevent my brain and my, just my actions and, and all my thought processes around work sort of just stay off and, and, and out of the house. It's something that I'm still working on. You know, there's just as in the, in the type of position that I'm in, it's uh, really easy to become distracted. Yeah. And, so that, that I would say is probably the only one. Um, but, you know, I really do find that having the schedule creates that for me. So I don't have to have those non-negotiables get messed up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
you know, I just kind of thought of this. Why don't you, what was your relationship like with growing up um, in your parents' house? Is it, is it, was it close to what you are developing in your home over? You had to create new things based on what you've learned. Yeah, it's a really good question. And uh, my, my childhood was, uh, I don't know if it was, I mean, it's pretty typical today, but my parents got divorced when I was eight years old. And, um, you know, I, I, I will be honest about it. Um, you know, that my, I, my father, great father, my mom's a wonderful mother. Uh, I love them both, you know, and they just were just different people. Um, and I didn't really understand it at the time. I was very young, eight, I think nine, maybe, I don't remember if, um, but a lot of the decisions that I've found myself making today are a result of quite a bit of that, where that I just didn't know at the time, you know, the main driver of course is fear. I believe not being able to provide as yeah. a father, you know, cause I saw my mother working three jobs, you know, and really struggling to, you know, to keep, keep what we wanted as like a normal life uh, for my brothers and I, and, uh, and just that, really kind of triggered me to become the dad or provider of the family. Uh, and, and, and I, I, it's sort of a position of fear. I will operate out of like, I don't want that for myself. I don't want that to be the case for my kids or my wife. Um, and a lot of the decisions revolve around that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's, I didn't really have the example necessarily either of parental or my mom and my dad communicating. It was more, I was eight years old and I don't really remember, remember them communicating too, communicating too much. There was obviously fighting and there was obviously, you know, those things and communication that was on a surface level. So I didn't really get to see examples or be provided examples of deep connection um, with, with how to, how to treat a woman, right. Or how to even how a, a woman treats a, a man. It was, it was sort of surface level and, uh, and divided in some regard. And uh, it was sort of an opportunity, I think, though, to relearn what I wanted for my family, to create an opportunity for the kids to, to see sort of how a father can treat, treat their mother in the right, as, as best as possible, how a father can provide, how, you know, for, especially to my son, obviously, but also the example how a man should treat a woman for my daughter. And I really use that as an opportunity for myself to rise out of that, you know, rise out of those experiences and, and give the life my kids. I want my, you know, I would love to have, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that's a differentiator. Uh, what I see in a lot of dialogue with men is they, they either see what, how they were raised and are, are hell bent on making their path and their kids path smoother or different or they are captive as a, as a result, they are a, a victim of what they did. And, in, and in unintentionally, probably they're creating the exact same environment they grew up in. Oh, yeah. So where are you drawing your, um, your examples of how to be an amazing dad to a son, which is, which is an incredibly important role, how to be an amazing dad to a daughter, which um, is it, I, I don't have the experience, but I know that that is a very, very unique and special um, bond. Uh, where are you getting those examples? 
Uh, primarily going to be, you know, it kind of goes back to my faith. I do believe in, in, uh, in what, in Christ Jesus and, and what he's provided as an example of how to forgive, how to love, how to operate. Mm-hmm. That is a main guiding principle. Uh, my, my grandpa, he had two daughters, my mom and my aunt and, uh, how my grandpa treated his wife as well. He was an amazing man. Um, passed away, I think four or six years ago now, five years ago. And, uh, he, he really was a really great example of, of what I would love to become and aspire to become very caring, kind of gentleman. Uh, and then of course, just in general, you know, I have a lot of, uh, really close friends that, uh, operate in the same principles that do it. I feel better than myself that I, I can use as, as uh, motivation and, and, um, and lean on for that expertise, some really close friends to share these struggles with and uh, some men also in my life that have gone through similar things and overcame and, and really having that friendship and those connections really to me is, is very meaningful. That is, that is incredibly meaningful. I think that there is a tendency now, well, COVID's not helping the situation, but there's a tendency now where uh, men isolate or they surround themselves with people that they just know through work or they're stuck with the people they knew in high school. And those aren't necessarily growth opportunities. They're not the, the type of people that they need to surround themselves to actually level themselves up. Um, how yeah, you, then, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and it, it's really the, it's not just an ear, right? It's actually someone who's going to challenge me, who's going to ask me the questions that are a little harder you know, and, and, and those reasons, that's really what I think I get most out of it is I don't want someone who's agreeing with me, right? I want someone who's actually challenging me on the decisions I'm making. And, and that's, that's been key. And that, you know, that is something that I, I do value quite a bit. Yeah. I want to, I want to kind of sit in that for a minute because okay. really evaluating this a lot lately. Um, I think there's been a, a lot of times in my life where uh, I have, just learn to agree with people and lift them up for what they are good at. And then let the other things slip out of um, a little bit of fear of losing them as a friend or whatever. But I was just reflecting on my relationships that I have now and the absolute best ones, the ones where I'm like, okay, they are making me a better man are those guys who are just literally straight up telling me some stuff. I don't want to hear like I, I teeth clenched, pissed off sitting on the phone listening to them all the while knowing that they're doing it 100 out of love and i'm mostly upset at myself um do you have those types of relationships yeah i have, I have one really close one that's similar to that i i would love to have more but i don't think you can force those obviously oh. yeah yeah i do though yes yeah yeah and is that one that's been long standing or later in life that you've developed that relationship it's been later in life I, I, a very similar person to me, uh, this, this guy is, is really a very similar type person, very similar approach to his, he has his own company. He has two kids, they, you know, they homeschool their children. It's, it's very similar life experience. And I, he has a lot of weight behind what he says because of it. Yeah. That's, um, that's, I think it's just probably one of the key factors for success. I mean, we all talk about mentors and, people in our lives that have helped us move to the next level. And it's, it's um, typically people who are willing to really 
press in with you and and help you grow and 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 usually it's reciprocated it goes both ways that's true um i want to i want i want to talk about your family and you know your wife and you are very intentional in fact probably you know i i talk a lot about intentionality and dating and you guys have this nailed down at least for the time sounds like it's running really smoothly what um have you and your wife had a conversation about the guiding principles of your family mission vision? Um, have you ever set pencil to paper and really kind of carved out? This is what my family is all about. That's a very good question. It's something that it's really funny. You say it because it's something that we've actually recently discussed within the last couple of months of really putting like, what is the plan for our, our kids? What's the plan, vision, mission? What are all those things, the values? I, we have never put pen to paper on it. I, I wish we would have, I mean, we still are, it's in the thought process right now, but mm-hmm. sounds like a, fun, a phenomenal opportunity. Yeah, it's, it, it, <laughs> I'm in the same place. I've started it with my wife. Okay. I started it and we've had a lot of conversations and we've actually had conversations with our kids, but it is not just, Hey, let's sit down and do this thing because it is a, it's a big undertaking. Sure. What do we want? What is the picture as a unit, as a family unit, where, where do we see ourselves and what is our driving force? And um, I mean, I, I, I can't believe I asked that because it really puts me in a place where I'm like, man, I really work on that. We got to, we got to reconvene and finish that project because I think um, I've, I've chatted with people who have it uh, created as a piece of art in their home. And, Mm. you know, it's kind of like this guiding principle. Anytime they're up against something, just like, I, I, I talk about this a lot in business. If you have your visions and your values, every decision that you make inside of your business is, based on does it align with my vision and values and how the heck we don't do that with our family. Uh, It's sometimes I think as men, we really step up in the business because we feel like that's how we're, we're providing for our family. And then we don't do the same things (laughs) in our own home. Um, That's so true. And I think it's, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No. Yeah. I'm hoping you do it. I'm hoping you do. I, I really think it's an opportunity for, you know, just myself and men in general to really show the leadership capabilities that they are, you know, shepherding their families to, to a purpose yeah. and to a greater thing. Okay. Well, let's go there. Um, you said a few things and, and I, I believe firmly, I, I believe that women can be leaders. I abs- my wife is a leader. I believe that they can be um, career driven and focused and professional and, and, whatnot. But in my household, my wife will tell me every single time you are the leader of this home and the final decision, whatever you decide, I'm going with wholeheartedly. How is your take, your take, how's your wife's take on that, that outcome, the patriarch, if you will. Um, yeah. Family. I, it's something that is very similar. My, um, my wife has a huge weight, obviously on, on what I feel and, and had the input, but, uh, She's really, um, she does let me sort of have that sort of authority, not authority, it's, it's, you know what I mean? That decision, that final decision that happens in the family ultimately rests on my shoulders, right? And all the, uh, all the weight behind that decision, definitely I take with, you know, it's not, it's a serious decision, but she's really on board with whatever I decide as well. 
Yeah. I, I, um, there's been times when there's been some extreme tension between us and it really comes down to the fact that we're kind of struggling to find out where our waypoint is and where, what direction we're going in. And I found that as soon as I say, you know what, this is what we're doing, that completely goes away. I mean, it, it completely goes away. So I, I feel very strongly about that. It's just, but, but she has an incredible voice in the entire thing. I mean, mm-hmm. very strong, <laughs> very strong woman, uh, which is, which is, uh, I think awesome. But is your wife, is your wife similar? She, she it's funny. I mean, I, even though she gives me sort of the, uh, the green light, let's just put it that way, the green light to make certain decisions. And sometimes I do these decisions without her, or sometimes she has a bunch of things and, and, and this is obviously uh, I think just me, it might just the experience that we've had over the years, but I've made decisions for the family that were not the right ones. Right. And she's always been right. And she's always given me the, the, the yellow light, red light on these decisions. And when I, it's funny, it, I, I look back now and it's just like almost every single time she's, she's either given me caution or said, don't do it. And I've still forged ahead and did it it's always been the wrong decision. And I feel like it's just as, as a, as a husband and, a, and, and someone who just really respects her, it just makes me realize just how much she really does have a finger on the pulse of what's best for the family. Uh, my, my wife is the same way. Like, yep. and she will let me, she will ma- let me make those decisions out of respect. And, yes. and I mean, we're still paying for some of those. <laughs> And totally. she is almost, I, I, she doesn't, she listens to this. So I want to be very careful how I say this, but she is, she's always moving those needles in the right direction. Like when, when I really listen to her and we really have the dialogue, um, things tend to really work well. When I make a decision that she, she's saying, let's have a yellow light on this. I can't think of a time that it's gone really, really well. Correct. I, I, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, it's like having, you know, half of your team not go ahead with uh, the certain project you're and you're working on at the, you know, at yeah. your, your business. And it's like, it's just, it doesn't work. So, and, and the emotional support behind it, uh, she's still there always, always, you know, okay with it, but it just never turns out the way you, you thought it was. Yeah. And you always look back and wish, Oh, I wish I would have actually listened. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of decisions, um, you, you recently, you know, literally bought a farm. Yep. And, um, and I mean, this is, we're, we're talking like a real farm. Like, uh, are we talking, you know, like the whole, I mean, tell me what, what's included on a farm. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there's obviously different types of farms. Uh, we, we bought a small hobby farm. Um, but at the time it was a full working dairy farm. From 1905, I think it was built, up until 20, uh, 15 years ago, I think, or whatever. No, 13 years ago. And, uh, and then the family that we purchased the house from, you know, they ceased, obviously, all the, the dairy working stuff and, the, and all the crops and things. But um, our farm is, we have a full working barn. We have a, you know, below the barn, of course, is where they did the milking operations. We have, past, we have pasture land. 
uh, and then surrounded by it. And then we have chicken coops. We have, uh, you know, a, a birthing, birthing barn for cows and like, I mean, the whole deal. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, there's a lot to it. And, you know, we're, we, we bought it this winter. So we really haven't had the opportunity to work the land yet because winter in Wisconsin is, is not favorable to that, <laughs> but it's exciting. We're excited about it. Were your kids excited? I don't think they realized what they're getting into, uh, but at surface level, yes, we're going to have animals. We're going to have rabbits. They're going to be able to, you know, bring in cats into the house and little do they know there's a lot more than that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I do think they are excited. I'm excited for the potential for them because I think overall, this is what they, they'll grow up to really say that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. So it was the, was the decision to do it based on the experience? Yes. Primarily, what what sort of what kind of life do we want our children to be raised in, mm-hmm. and um, and where where uh, you know I guess that's it really just yeah where how we want to raise our children yeah um, are you going to make them work oh yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely so we're going to be doing flowers we're going to do a vegetable garden we're going to be doing chickens we're going to be doing all the things and you know we really want to teach them just the value of hard work and just you know, the value of physical work in the beginning, yeah. but as it comes, you know, I think there's a, uh, more to that, obviously, I think it just, it's working for a greater cause, you know, to, that it's not a selfish endeavor necessarily. You do have to make sure the animals are taken care of. You do want to make sure that you have a plan that what you're doing makes sense. And, uh, you know, and I think those things can transfer over to whatever they decide. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, I can't think of, I was, I was trying to reflect on how we've raised our kids and, and really the, the thing that I really want to continue to emphasize or create opportunity for is failure when they're in the home. And I'm like thinking about a farm. I'm like, man, talk about consequence based on not doing the things you're supposed to be doing. You're talking about living creatures. You're talking about growing things. If you do not fulfill your duties, there is failure on the other end. Um, so I think it's a, a, an incredible opportunity to teach them uh, that failure is part of life. And um, it's also how we grow. So that uh, sounds really exciting. So when does it really get interesting? You know, you've got this kind of deep freeze winter thing going on. When, when does it really get interesting as a farm, a hobby farm owner? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're sort of making initial steps right now to get ourselves ready for it um, in regards to, uh, you know, the animals. So the first things we're going to be doing is chickens because they're fairly simple. Yep. You know, we want to start small and work our way up to, you know, beef cattle. Mm. And uh, right now though, we just, it's planning. So we're putting out the stages of building out our coop. We have a chicken coop, but um, I'll tell you another story on that, but that chicken coop needs some work. And we want to make sure that uh, it's ready for the animals. So we're kind of getting ready for that. Um, we also are going to be purchasing baby chickens pretty soon because it takes a good five to eight months, depends on the breed, uh, to be able to start laying eggs. So we have to start thinking about that. But things really start to begin when when spring hits, for sure. Okay. Yeah. So uh, chicken coop, I've seen some people go pretty crazy. I'm like, man, if I were a chicken, I'd want to live there. <laughs> what, oh, yeah, totally. What, what are you guys doing with the chicken coop? Well, you know, originally we we're, so we, when we first got here, we, uh, it was like within a couple of weeks of moving, we're like, let's get some barn cats. 
we want them to start to really make this their home and, and just they had a great program here in the county that we're in that they microchip the cats they worm them they do all the things with them and they're basically feral cats right, right? Me meant for barns and not for home living and that's perfect we're like awesome let's give these these cats a home and <laughs> the first time i mean we brought them home and we were all excited about it the kids were really super excited about it and uh, we did all the things and we put them in the chicken coop you know thinking oh, okay there's no way that nothing can happen to these things but the first night we got them we ended up walking out there the next morning um, after the night was over and they were gone and we just <laughs> we're like what the heck and we realized okay something's up so they found their way out of the chicken coop and you know little did we know that there was these little things that were happening so it was sort of a good test i think originally just like this is the first thing that's this is a failure right away so how are we going to fix this what, what are we going to do now to prevent this from happening because if a chicken can, or i'm sorry if a cat can get out well then we're going to have problems in the future because then other animals can get in and then we could have a problem with a slaughter of chickens right so we're just trying to figure out those little things and and kind of get that ready for our kids <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah all the things you are adding all the complexities all the the things you have to think through um like again it's it's life and there's going to be yeah. predators there's going to be escape the great escapes uh, <laughs> that's so true yeah yeah well, that's that's awesome so um you've been there for a couple months now yeah we bought uh, our house uh, about two months ago yep yeah yeah uh so i remember you telling a story about um putting an offer on this place and yeah. and making a phone call to the realtor uh would you mind sharing that with the audience so they, they kind of understand some of the things you went through in getting this? <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a, a pretty scary moment. Um, we we always wanted to have a hobby farm. This was kind of our dream, and this kind of goes back to just what the life we wanted for our children. And you know, and sometimes I do feel that the dreams that we do decide to take on may seem better in our heads than actually in reality. And this was a prime example of of that situation so i made the offer uh we made the offer to buy this house it was scary you know we were like this is what we want and this is kind of the way we want to live but then all of a sudden you know we make the offer and i'm just sitting there and i'm just thinking and i'm thinking and it's just getting scarier and scarier after i make this decision and i'm comes and, and then like we made the offer in the morning and then in the in the afternoon we're just like i'm just like freaking out i'm like what what are we doing what did we just, why am I, I mean, we have this house. It was fine. We redid the old house. It was all what we wanted. And I'm like, let's, I'm like, I, we need to get out of this offer. Like I had offer regret, buyer's regret, so to speak. So I call, I, and my wife and I were just freaking out. You know, she's crying. Um, you know, it's like, we're all over the map with what we really, we, we thought we wanted this. And then we're saying, no, we don't. Um, so I sent a text to my realtor and I said, we gotta, we, I'm, we're, we want to take back our offer. We want to rescind the offer. And she calls me up immediately after the text. And she's like, they literally accepted your offer 30 seconds ago. And I was, my, my heart dropped at that moment. And I was just like, what did I do? You know? And my realtor, after trying to calm me down a little bit from freaking out, said, just, you know, sleep on it. And, uh, talk it over and really think I'm waking up in the middle of the night, the whole night, that night, just tossing and turning, freaking out, 
especially, you know, as a leader, now I have to have this thing. I feel like, a, you know, as a father, my responsibility, it all rests on my shoulder. And I'm like, what did I mean? I, I just, I was, I was at a loss for words. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. It was terrible. Um, but I really did some meditating, some breathing, some focusing. And, uh, and I really re-reined myself in, I guess. And the next morning, uh, we had a further discussion. And then uh, we said, we're just going to continue forward. And it was as that after we sort of came to terms with that decision, the rest of the week sort of all started to fall into place. All these little signs started popping up that we made the right decision. It was not just like, I mean, it could, it could have been something in the business that just made sense that was going to, you know, make me feel more comfortable with decision. It, it was these other opportunities that were all of a sudden falling at my feet. It was these, like these things that my kids were saying. And it was just, I think it, and then ultimately obviously started to fall into place and here we are, we're, we're living in it. <laughs> yeah. Do you regret it at all? Not yet. Not okay. yet. There's a, there is a hint of still, because I still have not gotten myself to be on this land and working it and being one with it, so to speak, mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting for the connection to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. With what I just did. Um, but I'm really excited. I, I still am very optimistic about it. I, I don't regret it anymore. I know that this is the right thing for me and the family. Uh, I'm just waiting for myself to become more connected with it. Yeah, I can totally, I would imagine that there's this, uh, I don't want to say spiritual, but a, a next level connection with when you start working land. I mean, I've felt that way on a very light level when I'm working on my home and physically doing things to upgrade it. And I know that I've put investment in this, but I bet working land is next level, next mm -hmm. level connection. Um, that'll be interesting to talk to you once you have that connection with the land. Um, you talked about so many times we have a dream and then when we start to step into it, like, this is crazy. What was I thinking? Um, has that ever stopped you? You think from your potential? Stopping short of a dream. I don't, uh, I don't think it, yeah, it's hard to say. I, I, uh, most of the times I usually what I want, I sort of go after it. I'm not saying that I don't do it. I don't do it without failure. Uh, but I do start it. I do try it. And, um, if I'm going to, if I want to do something, I'm typically going to try it and do it and do it really well. Um, or to the best of my abilities, excuse me. But I don't think it's ever really stopped me. You know, and I think one of the biggest decisions of my life was starting my gym a decade ago. And it was the first major decision. Obviously, I went from full-time career, corporate world, to my own thing. And after seeing, you know, myself failing over and over again, failing forward, and eventually having it become successful really gave me the confidence that the decisions that I make, even though I know they're going to be a struggle in the beginning and I'm going to fail in certain regards that I'm going to try it. I'm, I'm going to keep at it and I'm going to just see it through. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, that's really what I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to continue to do with these other decisions. Yeah. <clears throat> I think um, from what I've observed, that is the differentiator between those who drive and succeed and those who kind of sit 
in the same thing they've always been sitting in is, is actually stepping into that dream. Um, because I've never stepped into a dream without massive fear. <laughs> you just like, you, every you, time, like when you are dreaming it, it's perfect. And yes. it's like nothing can stop you. And, Correct. and you think of the things that can stop you. Like those are, those are a drop in the bucket to the outcome. And then it's this millisecond. And I've, I've done this multiple times. Like you, a millisecond, you step into it. You're like, this is scary. And you start to focus on what you could fail on. And, and um, I, I think that's what leads a lot of men to failing in their business is they immediately like almost latch onto that feeling of what am I going to fail with here? Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So well, I'm go ahead. I was going to say, and oftentimes I find, you know, even just with my con uh, consulting with business owners across the world um, that, you know, the decisions that we make, I think, you know, knowing that, yes, there's going to be these struggles, but oftentimes it's those that who are able to see that as a sort of a fire to, to keep them moving forward. Yeah. Right? And it's just like, if you can make an over or like overcome those specific challenges, you know, even though there's may, may feel big in the moment, like it starts to give you more, uh, more confidence yeah. to be able to realize that this is the right thing because it's never going to go perfect. No, absolutely not. Um, okay. So I, I want to wrap up with, with something you started with, um, you, at the very beginning, you said my kids revolutionized my life. And, um, so I want to, I want to dig a little deeper into that. What do you mean? How did they revolutionize your life? Uh, quite simply went from being very selfish to not having to be thinking about myself to now thinking about someone else. I think uh, my entire life, I really didn't have that outside of, you know, just my wife and, you know, that relationship, but it was really caring now for raising a human being mm -hmm. that sort of revolutionized my thought processes on every decision that I make, right? It, it had no longer, it had nothing else to do with me. And I, and, I, and going into kids, I was, I was selfish, very selfish. And I'm not saying you can't be selfish and that's not necessarily good. I think there's things that you can do that are very good, but it's putting it into perspective. Like ultimately, what is the greater plan in your life? And what are the, what are the uh, non-selfish or selfish endeavors that you decide or decisions that you make that actually make you feel good, right? Versus just a surface level thing. And, you know, with my children, especially my son being the first one, it just, uh, it merely made for me just to, everything I do and everything I think about revolves around that being a better dad, making sure that he has the life that I want for him and he wants a good life. So. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Tyler, it's been fun talking to you, hearing about your family, your beliefs, your motives, um, your failures and successes. I appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the brotherhood of fatherhood podcast. We love our listeners and would love to have you come back and hear great stories from men who um, are walking through life as fathers. So hit that subscribe button. And until we see you again, have a great day.